This is the Gospel Light Christian High School, home of the Torchbearers. This is your ninth grade English, Lesson 3. I'm your, I am your instructor, Mariko White. Our goals for this lesson include 1. To identify the kinds of verbs, action and linking. 2. To identify the two functions of verbs, transitive and intransitive. 3. To identify the two voices of transitive verbs, active and passive. 4. To learn to use troublesome verbs correctly. 5. To learn to use verbs effectively in writing. 6. To learn to be truthful, earning trust by accurately reporting past facts and present circumstances. Our key Bible verse for this lesson is Ephesians 4.25 which reads, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We'll begin by reading a passage from Billy Sunday, The Man and His Message by William T. Ellis. I was playing right field, my Kelly was catching, and John G. Clarkson was pitching. He was as fine a pitcher as ever crawled into uniform. We had two men out and they had a man on second and one on third and Bennett, their old catcher, was at bat. I saw Charlie swing hard and heard the bat hit the ball with a terrific boom. Bennett had smashed the ball on the nose. I saw the ball rise in the air and knew that it was going over my head. I could judge within ten feet of where the ball would light. I turned my back to the ball and ran. The field was crowded with people. I yelled, stand back, and that crowd opened as the Red Sea opened for the rod of Moses. I ran on, and as I ran, I made a prayer. It wasn't theological either. I said, God, if you ever helped mortal man, help me to get that ball, and you haven't very much time to make up your mind either. I ran and jumped over the bench and stopped. I thought I was close enough to catch it. I looked back and saw it was going over my head. I jumped and shoved up my left hand, and the ball hit it and stuck. At the rate I was going, the momentum carried me on, and I fell under the feet of a team of horses. I jumped up with the ball in my hand. As you may have observed, action verbs give vitality to a sentence. Every sentence must have a verb, as well as a subject, in order to express a complete thought. Sometimes the verb of a sentence is one word. Other times the verb is made up of a main verb and one or more auxiliary or helping verbs. A sentence may also have a compound verb, which is one or two a sentence may also have a compound verb, which is two or more verbs joined by a coordinating conjunction. Let's learn these helping verbs. Am, is, are, was, were, be, being, been, do, did, does, have, has, had, may, might, must, can, could, shall, should, will, would. Linking verbs, 
Not all verbs show action. Instead, some help make a statement by linking the subject to some word in the predicate that describes or renames the subject. The most common linking verbs are forms of the verb be, which include am, is, are, was, were, be, being, and been. Other linking verbs include look, seem, appear, become, feel, grow, stay, sound, taste, smell, remain, keep, prove, turn. Here's a little story on truthful. Ronnie, that's a new helmet, isn't it? Yep. Cost me $74 on sale. Your boots are new too, aren't they? Sure are. They cost $160. How can you afford all that? I could barely make the motorcycle payment. Easy, I just skipped on payment. But Ronnie, don't look so shocked. Everybody misses a payment now and then. Besides, the finance company is not hurting for money. They'll never miss it. Or will they? We'll continue our story as we proceed, as we move on. Using vivid action verbs to improve your writing skills. We can improve our writing by applying the following guidelines concerning verbs. 1. Use vivid verbs instead of general verbs. 2. Whenever possible, use action verbs instead of linking verbs. 3. Refer to a thesaurus in order to find the verb that expresses exactly what you want to say. Billy Sunday knew and practiced using lively verbs. Let's read this, sex, this selection taken from one of his most ser famous sermons. I tell you, it strikes in the night, it fights under cover of darkness, and it lies about you. It attacks defenseless womanhood and childhood. The saloon is a coward. It is a thief. It is not an ordinary court offender that steals your money but it robs you of manhood and leaves you in rags and takes away your friends and robs your family. It impoverishes your children and it brings insanity and suicide. It will take the shirt off your back. It will steal the coffin from a dead child and yank the last crust of bread out of the hand of the starving child. It will take the last bucket of coal out of your cellar and the last cent out of your pocket and will send you home bleary-eyed and staggering to your wife and children. It despises heaven, hates love, scorns virtue. It tempts the passions. It wraps the mantle about the hope of this world and that to come. And it wrecks homes and blights lives today. Two functions of verbs, transitive and intransitive. Read the following sentences. A. Birds fly. B. Bears sleep. C. Birds have wings. D. Bears like honey. The verbs in sentences A and B, that is fly and sleep, have complete meaning by themselves. They are intransitive verbs. They have no direct object. The two examples are birds fly, bears sleep. 
The verbs in sentences C and D have direct objects. A verb that always has a doer and a receiver, usually the direct object of the action, is a transitive verb. Example C and D again, birds have wings. D bears like honey. Linking verbs. Linking verbs are always intransitive. A noun that follows a linking verb and renames the subject is a predicate nominative. An adjective that follows a linking verb and describes the subject is a predicate adjective. For example, the boys are friends. Boys is a noun. Are is a linking verb. Friends is a noun. Another one, the girls are shy. Girls is a noun. Are is a linking verb. And shy is the adjective. Using a variety of sentence patterns to improve writing skills. Here's another selection on Mr. Billy Sunday. Mr. Sunday practiced truthfulness and honesty. One day the Lord reminded him of something dishonest. He had done it as an unsafe teenager. He had had a job as janitor of his school. He earned $25 a month for his salary. He got himself up every morning at 2 o'clock. He carried coal for the 14 stoves in the school. He kept the floors swept. He did not neglect his duties. One day he cashed his check at the bank. The cashier mistakenly gave $40 to him instead of 25 He did not point out the error to the cashier. His conscience bothered him a little. He told a lawyer friend of his about it. The man gave his unethical advice don't be a fool, keep it. Regrettably, Mr. Sunday did just that. He bought a new suit with the money. Years later, he had given control of his life to Christ. Mr. Sunday remembered the incident. The Holy Spirit reminded him of something. He had done something dishonest. Mr. Sunday had this reason for keeping the money. The bank had made the mistake. God said something to him. I know this. He had a struggle for some time. Finally, he sent the money with interest. His letter acknowledged the bank's mistake. From that day on, Mr. Sunday had peace with God. The effective writer uses a variety of sentence patterns in his writing. These sentences, or rather these sentence patterns, can be simple sentences or they can be combined into compound or complex sentences. Remember, Lively action verbs are more effective than linking verbs. The two voices of transitive verbs. Voice tells whether the subject is acting or being acted upon. Only transi transitive verbs can have voice. The two voices of verbs are active and passive.
When the subject of the sentence receives the action, the verb has passive voice. A passive voice verb is always a form of be, be, plus a past form of an action verb. As believers and soldiers in God's army, we must be active in the work of the Lord, not passive. We must be doers. We must stand against evil and not ignore happenings, which are against godly principles, without taking any action. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We'll continue our reading on what is wisdom, and how can it help me to succeed. Here we are again. Now will you tell us what love really is? How did Dr. Baedeker demonstrate love? Dr. Baedeker dedicated his life to meet the needs of prisoners in Russian jails. His actions demonstrated that love is both a noun and a verb. What do you mean love is both a noun and a verb? Dr. Baedeker was always loving the prisoners and giving himself, his talents, time, skill, in an unselfish way to meet their needs. Loving is giving. When we give, we love. That's a verb. God demonstrates love by doing, by giving us everything we need. He saved us. That took action. When love acts, it's a verb. Then how is love a noun? God is love. Love is the basic quality of God. Love is the essence of God and the essence of life. 1 John 4.16 says, God is love. Plus, he is perpetually giving. He never stops. That's a noun plus a verb. Love, a noun, is giving, a verb. We are commanded to love God with our whole heart. And that's action. Dr. Baedeker gave. That was action. A living demonstration of what God does. When we live and love as God will live and love, that's wisdom. Wow! Now I see. God is love and He gives. We can be God-like by loving and by giving to Him and to others. That's love then. When we are God-like, that's wisdom. You've got it. Love comes to us from God because God is love. Thus, He is both love and the giver of love. He is the source of everything. He loves as He gives and that's unconditional and perpetual. If everybody loved everybody else, they would be given for the benefit of others perpetually and unconditionally, right? Everything comes from God. He's always giving. He's always loving. Wisdom is giving and loving as God does. Yeah, and that's probably why most teenagers are confused. They think holding hands and kissing is love. Our fulfillment comes only as we practice life as God would do it, giving and receiving from His perspective. That's wisdom. The problem is that we are self-centered, wanting circumstances to center on our desires, passions, emotions and affections, and we build our definition of love on what we feel and enjoy, rather than on loving. Teenagers can hold hands and kiss and never have love, and they can love others by giving of themselves to meet their needs and never even hold hands. That's why love or giving of self for the good of the other should precede marriage. 
any kind of physical involvement before marriage violates scripture and undermines the relationship. Loving is a sacrifice of self for the benefit of others. A physical relationship before marriage is self-gratification that uses the other person. Outside of marriage, the physical is really the opposite of love and defiles the other person. That's why so many marriages collapse within a few years. The couple came together without love. They sought sensual fulfillment rather than desiring the other person's highest good. You mean that people who build their relationship on physical gratification instead of love lose confidence and trust in each other and that kind of relationship undermines their marriage? That's right, Sandy, and they have problems for years to come. That's wisdom. We confuse our self-centered desires with love. We feel satisfaction, pleasure, or affection. Love is not letting, or rather, should I say, love is not getting from a person or feeling about them. Love is giving to the needs and good of the other person. Because of our misconception of love, we also misunderstand how to experience it. Love is giving. Since God is love, then love expressed to humans is the giving of their basic needs without expecting anything in return. Love returns love. God does that. He requests our hearts as well as our talents, looks, and intelligence. He wants us to give Him our hearts, our love. Then all of who we are flows out of giving Him our hearts. But does God need anything from us? I mean, He made us in the world. What could He want or need from teenagers? God made us to love Him. We find fulfillment only when we love Him. Loving God is not for His benefit. It is for ours. God made us to receive His love and then to return it. That is what gives life meaning. When we love God and give Him our attention and affection, we grow in every way from that experience. To walk with God is to love Him and to walk in His ways as He would walk. This is for our benefit. A fulfilled life is one given to God and extended to other people, as Dr. Baydecker did. While in close fellowship with God, we are walking not only in His way, but with Him. That is love. That is wisdom. That's not easy. We're usually so self-centered and filled with our own feelings, priorities, desires, and ambitions that we entertain thoughts inconsistent with the ways of God. We hardly think of God, much less give Him our hearts, our love. That's wisdom. When we love God, we take our affections from self and put them on Him. That's not for God's benefit. It's for ours. We grow within when we practice loving God instead of ourselves. That's true, and in learning of the ways of God, we gather bits and pieces of understanding of God's character. As we grow in understanding of Him, we desire to express love to Him. As we love God, we take on His character. We begin to be as He is, to have the characteristics of Christ, that is wisdom. Why do we have so much trouble understanding the real meaning of love? Why is wisdom so difficult to understand? It's because we don't understand sin. 
our perception of what sin is prevents us from loving God. We usually think of sin only as things like murder, robbery, stealing, or bad language. But sin is anything which keeps us from giving our affection, our thoughts, or love to God. Sin is anything which separates us from God. Love is just the opposite. Love is giving ourselves to God. That is so important. To love God is to grow in our relationship with Him. To love self-satisfaction and practice sin is to withdraw from our fellowship with Him. But does God expect us to think of Him all the time? Sometimes we have to think of geometry or biology. Is that sin? No, we can do those things while loving God. God gave us a mind to think about biology. As creator of life, He wants us to understand it. He also established the principles of geometry so man could visualize proof of God's exactness. Wisdom is to think about and walk in the ways of God. As a person walks in wisdom, he practices right from wrong in all situations. He responds to life as God would. Sometimes Jesus did carpenter work. Other times he fished. But while doing those things, he still walked in the ways of God. That's wisdom. God really asks only one thing of people that they love him. A person who loves God will want to walk with him. That's not easy. Don't we have to learn about God before we can love him? How can we do that? To love God and to walk in his ways. People just don't automatically decide to love God and presto they love him. A place to start is to know God's ways. His ways are explained in the Bible. Wisdom is walking in God's ways. We are the very focus of God's being. God is love and he loves us. He made us to love him and to walk with him. He intended from eternity for us to walk with him to abide in his presence and to love him. Wisdom is practicing this truth and letting it be the essence of our lives. Loving God is the ultimate experience in life, for in that experience we have fellowship with the very heart of God. We commune with Him, and He communes with us. Walking with God enables us to demonstrate His life. That's wisdom. Are you saying that loving God is the most important thing in our lives? That's right. And with wisdom comes fulfillment, love, joy, peace, long life, honor, and riches. God wants to give us these things, just as He gave them to Solomon. Yes, since wisdom involves giving of self to God, then the greatest value in life is to love God. You're right, that is wisdom. Does God expect us to think of Him when He also gives us so many things to think about, such as laws of gravity, mathematical formulas, and biology? God knows our nature. We are too easily sidetracked with preoccupations which keep us from thinking voluntarily towards God. He knew we would be interested in things. So, he did not give us a choice in the matter of loving him. In Deuteronomy 6.5, he commands us to love him. 
There God expressed in strong language that the first and foremost act of man is to love God. In that love is the secret of life, for as we love God and receive his life, we walk in his ways. That is wisdom. The key to loving God is found in our will. To God, love is a matter of initiating thoughts and actions toward him. The more we study his ways through Bible reading, memorization and meditation, the more we understood him. And the more we understand him, the more we love him and want to be like him. And the more we love him and walk with him, the wiser we become. Our thoughts and actions come into harmony with his thoughts and actions. The more we think as God thinks and live as God would live, the more successful we become. Using active verb voice or rather active voice verb to improve writing skills. The passive voice usually expresses an idea in a weaker way than the active voice does. So in your writing use active voice verbs whenever possible. Here's a paragraph about Mrs. Sunday. Notice the passive voice verbs. When the ministry of Billy Sunday is reviewed by us, the contributions of Mrs. Sunday should not be overlooked. Many times his decisions were influenced by her. Shortly after his conversion, he was encouraged by her to leave baseball and enter the ministry. Mrs. Sunday was endowed by her Scottish heritage with prudence, so she was made by Mr. Sunday, the business manager, for his campaigns. No important decisions were made by him without consulting her. He was accompanied by her nearly all the time, and his work and personal needs were watched over like a mother. Along with her husband, Mrs. Sunday was concerned over lost souls, and many were won to the Lord by her. She was the perfect complement to her extraordinary and gifted husband. Troublesome verb pairs. Transitive verbs always have a receiver of the action. Remembering this can help us with three pairs of verbs that are often confused. Lie and lay. L-I-E and L-A-Y. Sit and set. Rise and raise. The verb lie, L-I-E, means to rest or to recline. Lie is intransitive. It never takes a direct object. Examples include, we have the present tense, then I'll give you the past tense, the future tense, the present perfect tense, the past perfect tense, 
and then the future perfect tense. The present tense, he lies down to rest now. Past tense, he lay down to rest two hours ago. Future tense, he will lie down to rest in two hours. Present perfect tense, he has lain down many times today. Past perfect tense, he had lain down to rest when the phone rang. Future perfect tense, he will have lain down to rest before you come. Now let's do the next part, lay, L-A-Y. Remember, L-I-E means to rest or to recline. L-A-Y means to put or place in a certain position. Lay, L-A-Y, is transitive. When in active voice, it always takes a direct object. Lay, the present, present participle, laying, past, laid, past participle, laid. Now the present tense in a sentence, I lay the hat down now. In other words, I put the hat down or I place the hat down. The present, the past tense rather, I laid the hat down yesterday. Future tense, I shall lay the hat down in a few minutes. Present perfect tense, I have laid the hat down several times. Past perfect tense, I had laid the hat down before he saw it. Future perfect tense, I shall have laid the hat down before. Notice that S or ES is needed with he, she or it in the present tense. Shall is used with I and we in the future and future perfect tenses. Now let's look at the word sit, S-I-T. Sit, sitting, sat, sat. Present tense, I sit down to read. Past tense, I sat down to read. Future tense, I shall sit down to read. Present perfect tense, I have sat down to read. Past perfect tense, I had sat down to read. Future perfect tense, I shall have sat down to read. Now the principal parts for set. Sit, S-I-T, means to be seated. Set, S-E-T, means to put or place something, to put in some condition. Set is transitive. When in active voice, it always takes a direct object. Set, setting, set, set. Present tense, she sets the vase down now. Past tense, she set the vase down yesterday. Future tense, she will set the vase down. Present perfect tense, she has set the vase down. Past perfect tense, she had set the vase down. Future perfect tense, she will have set the vase down. Okay, our next word is rise, R-I-S-E, which means to go up, come up, or move up. Rise is intransitive. It never takes a direct object. Rise, rising, rose, risen. 
Present it rises, past it rose, future tense it will rise, present perfect tense it has risen, past perfect tense it had risen, future perfect tense it will have risen. Now look at our final word, raise, R-A-I-S-C. Raise means to lift up, to put, put up, or elevate. Raise is transitive. It usually takes a direct object. Raise can also mean to grow, bring up, or stir. Raise, raising, raised, raise. The present tense, we raise the flag. Past tense, we raised the flag. Future tense, we shall raise the flag. Present perfect tense, we have raised the flag. Past perfect tense, we had raised the flag. Future perfect tense, we shall have raised the flag. Exercise in Truth the warm bright days of the October sun beam down on Victor, Pudge, Ace and Racer as they kick a soccer ball around on the athletic field. Pudge calls Victor, are you going to enter any sports events in, uh, uh, what did Pastor All Truth call it? International Student Convention. Pudge puts in helpfully, yes, nationals. Continues Victor, are you? As Pudge dribbles the ball, he retorts, are you kidding? Now if I had your endurance, Victor Manley, I'd enter the 440 like racer, but I wouldn't stand a chance. Out of breath, Pudge collapses on the ground. Victor retrieves a bouncing ball and jogs back to where Pudge is sprawled on the ground. Pudge looks up and asks, How do you keep going like you do, Victor? Would you like to know the truth, Pudge? Victor asks, What do you mean the truth? Pudge raised himself on his elbows. Listen, Pudge, says Victor encouragingly, I used to be just like you. I mean, I wanted to play sports, but I just didn't seem coordinated, and strenuous exercise left me exhausted. My dad, Victor pauses, then continues, knew how much I wanted to play sport, and he believed I had potential. To help me build coordination and endurance, he showed me how to exercise and encouraged me to start running every day. He explained that certain foods build muscles and vitality. I've consistently followed his plan and now it's become a habit. You could do the same. Wow, is that the truth? I could run a mile and even be on the relay team, Pudge says. Then his tone changed abruptly, except that several other guys are already planning to enter running events. Quite honestly, Pudge says Victor, I've been thinking all along that you would probably be very good at shot put. You do need a little, or rather to develop better muscle tones and more coordination. But I believe that if you would make some long range plans, you could enter shot put. I would be glad to share my experience and nutrition program with you. Pudge is on his feet now and gives a soccer ball a swift kick. As it goes soaring across the field, he declares, If you did it with the Lord's help, I can too. If I adopt your exercise program, people will notice my manliness too. Ha ha. As illustrated in the story above, we sometimes lie to ourselves. 
In other words, we don't recognize God's potential for us. Pudge told himself that he couldn't enter a sport event because he didn't have endurance like Victor. In reality, this was only an excuse. The truth is, Pudge can enter a sport event if he will commit himself to a training program. With Victor's encouragement, Pudge tells himself the truth. Are you telling yourself the truth? Using anecdotes. What is an anecdote? An anecdote is a brief story that illustrates a point. Anecdotes can be used effectively to make our writing more interesting. The following selection is Billy Sunday's testimony. It is said of Napoleon that one day he was riding in review before his troops, when the horse upon which he sat became unmanageable, seized the bit in his teeth, dashed down the road, and the life of the famous warrior was in danger. A private, at the risk of his life, leaped out and seized the runaway horse, while Napoleon, out of gratitude, raised in the stirrups, saluted and said, Thank you, Captain. The man said, Captain of what, sir? Captain of my lifeguard, sir, said Napoleon. The man stepped over to where the lifeguards were in consultation, and they ordered him back into the ranks. He refused to go and issued orders to the officer. I am captain of the guards. Thinking him insane, they ordered his arrest, and were dragging him away, when Napoleon rode up and the man said, I am captain of the guards, because the emperor said so. Napoleon arose and said, Yes, Captain of my lifeguards, loose him, sir, loose him. I am a Christian because God says so, and I did what I had to do, and I stand on God's word. If God goes down, I'll go with him, and if there were any other kind of God, except that God, I would have been shipwrecked long ago. Twenty-seven years ago in Chicago, I piled all I had, my reputation, my character, my wife, children home. I stake my soul, everything I had on the Bible, on God, and on the Christ of the Bible, and I won. This concludes ninth grade English lesson three of the Gospelite Christian High School home of the torchbearers.